it's time to expand online. Hi, I'm Jamie Sletsky, and this is the podcast where we break down the tech and strategies that successful hands-on entrepreneurs just like you use to translate their services into online products. There is no fluff. There is no overwhelm. There is no shame. Let's get to it. It's time for you to expand online. Welcome to the Expand Online Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Slutsky, and I'm super excited for you to have a listen to today's interview with Michelle. Michelle has been working in the online music education space at a fully online virtual school in North Carolina. She has developed so many strategies to help her students and their musical aspirations and appreciation. Before we get into the conversation with Michelle, I want to remind you that the Online Expansion Masterclass is taking place inside the Expand Online community on Facebook. I have the link to register in the show notes. And with that, let's hear from Michelle. Michelle, welcome to the Expand Online podcast. So my name is Michelle Rose, and by day, I am a virtual music teacher. So I teach middle school and high school at a full-time virtual school, virtual even before uh, all the schools closed from COVID-19. And then in the evening, I switch hats and I create digital resources for music teachers to use in their classrooms. And then I also present at conferences, professional development for schools and for college students around the country. That is awesome. And I think that having you here on the podcast is a really great way of sharing that this online education side of things has been around before COVID and it's going to be around a long time after. And that expanding online is something that we're all ready to embrace. And so we should definitely just go ahead and do it. I think that a lot of the listeners would be interested in a little bit of the backstory of what an online school is and how you can actually teach the arts in an online way. So do you want to start with a little bit about that? Definitely. So just a couple of months ago when I would tell people I teach at a full-time virtual school and then I teach music, people would always look at me and say, wait a second, how does that even work? Now that you know more people have had to adapt to do that, um, I'm getting less strange looks and more of like, wait, so how do you how exactly, you know, do you get into the nitty gritty? Um, so they've wrapped their minds around having music virtually, but then I think there's also a difference between, you know, pre-recorded video versus like having a full ensemble live with you in Zoom. And so um, basically my school functions pretty similar to a brick and mortar school. So, you know, we have class periods. So I taught first period music appreciation, 815 high schoolers in the morning. I still love them. Um, But (laughs) instead of showing up in at like a physical classroom, they would show up live in my virtual classroom. And we have all of the same opportunities for students. Uh, We have a prom uh, when, well, we have had a prom, not this year. Unfortunately, like everyone else, our prom and graduation, you know, got canceled. Um, But regularly, we have opportunities for students to get together and interact both physically and virtually. It's been Again, more so virtually recently, Uh, we have National Honor Society, we have after school clubs, I run the 
um, extracurricular virtual choir and virtual band slash orchestra. Um, and so there's a whole lot that's very similar. The only thing is all of my students are spread out across the state of North Carolina and they attend school from their home or wherever they can find Wi-Fi because, you know, the Wi-Fi mm -hmm. goes out for everyone <laughs> at right. some point, you know. So, uh, it, yeah, so it's it's really neat um, to be able to be a part of this and to also help people see what online learning can be and also help them transition in this time. Yeah, I, I think that that's great. And I love the fact that it's not a school district and it's not necessarily location-based, but it's still location-specific. Your school is for students in North Carolina. And, you know, and some other schools may choose, if they are doing this online route, to do a smaller vicinity. It could be just within a county or it could be a tri-county or things like that. There are so many ways to package online learning that go beyond physical geographic regions. I mean, you could do an entire curriculum in the music or art or, you know, any of these creative spaces that are national or even international. It just depends on what that program needs to look like. So let's get into a little bit of what an online class kind of it can be like, I mean, you mentioned that there's the pre-recorded content and there's also the ability to do live content. And so your students will, they'll show up to a live session. And I can only imagine that with the way that bandwidth works, you can't have everybody playing their instrument all at once or trying to sing in unison because it just is not possible. And um, so those are things that come to mind at first of how does an online classroom work where you want synchronicity? Yes. So one of my favorite things about being an online teacher is the challenge of how can I do this in a virtual way? So you can do everything virtually, but you have to do it differently. And so that's where a lot of frustration comes in for a lot of people. But I look at that and I say, this is awesome. I'm going to figure out how to do that. And so for my master's, which I am completing finally this summer, but for my master's, I had to do a project. And so I focused my project and research on creating a virtual ensemble, uh, largely modeled after Eric Whitaker. He was kind of the inspiration. His virtual choir was kind of the original choir project online. But the thing is, his projects were all for professional musicians or really well-trained amateurs. And my students needed rehearsals. So I was like, oh my gosh, how can I do a rehearsal? Because like you said, if everyone has their mic on, it sounds like chaos. So basically, the model that I came up with was all my students um, log into Zoom with their cameras on, but their microphones off. And so I will listen to recordings of you know, their assignment for the week um, using smart music. So they'll sing or play into smart music and I'll say, you know, X amount of measures, I'll go in and then I'll kind of pick out the things that I hear across the board. Like they're not matching a vowel sound here. So I need to go over that or the rhythm is not quite matching up here. So I'm going to need to go over that. And so basically 
there's complete silence. And it is super disorienting at first as a music teacher not to hear your students in live time. Um, mm-hmm. But it works. And so I will basically run the rehearsal um, like, you know, I can hear students, but the hearing doesn't happen in live time. It happens beforehand. Um, so the hearing has to happen, you know, asynchronously. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there is so much value in being able to see students. So I can see them breathing. I can see their posture. I can see their facial expressions. <laughs> and so I've learned to rely more on the visual aspect as uh, a teacher in the moment. And then the aural aspect, the sound aspect just has to come later um, through smart music, these recordings that I hear. So it's definitely a little bit disorienting and interesting, um, but it works. And students also still get to hear themselves play together. I'll pull all of their individual recordings, put them all together in one big recording so we can still hear, you know, oh, this is what the full ensemble sounds like, or oh, sopranos are doing a really good job with that vowel altos not so much maybe we need to you know shift here because we're not blending um and so there are so many ways you can kind of be creative with it but you're totally right right now uh the technology is not there to have a synchronous rehearsal i it is gonna get there someday um but in the meantime we just gonna have to be creative with what we can do with students Absolutely. And I love the idea of using a multi-pronged approach. You want to have that live connection with your students. So you make that happen. You want to have the best quality audio so that you can actually mark, you know, see their works, see their progress, see them taking the feedback. So you have them record it in a way that you're going to be able to actually assess their work and help them move forward in the process. And there are a lot of tools nowadays. There are probably new tools popping up on a daily or weekly basis that are designed to specifically help with creating these online asynchronous opportunities. And I mean, I just had a an in, a conversation with someone earlier this month on a tool that was created for one-on-one music lessons that they focus on being able to have sound coming from both people at the same time to create harmony that you can't do with a mainstream tool like Zoom, which focuses on the video side more so than the audio side. But again, we have so many opportunities. And if you have an idea for something that you want to accomplish in the online space, you can probably do that. You just have to look for it. Or maybe you have to talk to a developer and have them do it. But starting with what's there and using the tools like Zoom for video and using, was it Smart Music that you use? Yep, Smart Music. And I've also used um, Soundtrap as well, another uh, really helpful yes. one. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. The the tools are all there. You just kind of got to like mash them together to get something to work for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, so your students, they actually record themselves. Have you, Do you teach them how to properly record themselves so that they are going to be able to provide the right um, 
files to you? I mean, is that part of the online teaching or is that kind of a prerequisite or do they just know how to do it? Sure. So I do some like basic how to, but I, so we're only in, uh, this was our third semester of having virtual ensemble. So it's, it's pretty new, you know, like the first Mm -hmm, semester mm -hmm. I was just kind of figuring out how to do this because, you know, that was pre COVID-19. So there wasn't a model. Um, so I kind of had to just trial and error this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started that in the spring of last year. This year was the year that finally I kind of hit my groove. And then um, also was trying to help so many other people like with this model. It's like, here's how I do it and all that. Um, but my goal is as we grow to have every student um, to, to have a school supplied microphone, because right now it's kind of just ad hoc, like what mm-hmm. it is, what it is. And so my value, my value is on students having an opportunity to make music in community rather than producing the, you know, highest quality recording there ever was. Like, it's not going to sound like Eric Whitaker, but my students are coming together. They're making music. They are in community with each other. And that's Mm -hmm. really my goal. But it is in my plan to, uh, you know, hopefully acquire some microphones and then send them out because uh, my school does send out supplies. And so there is no barrier for participation for my students. So if they come from Mm -hmm. a place where they have demonstrated financial need, um, my school will provide laptop, internet stipend, and printer. So it's taking away uh, that potential barrier. And so I don't want it to be an extra cost on students. And, you know, if we were in a physical classroom, I'd probably have, you know, a set of nicer microphones that maybe we would use for recording or technology or something like that. So my goal is to eventually uh, have that set. Um, so it's in my five-year plan. So hopefully we'll, we'll see that soon, but you know, we do go over basics, like don't aim your horn right at the microphone. Otherwise you're going to get all the clipping and that kind of thing. Yeah. That's a really great piece of advice of, it really depends on what instrument you're trying to capture of how you want to position the microphone. And then it's also really interesting. I think that the idea of sending the microphone. And I think that a lot of the listeners to the podcast are independent um, instructors. So they start, you know, start their own program and they're not inside the space of uh, of a, an institution or an academic setting. And I think that that idea of when you sign up with me, this is what I'm going to deliver to you. I am going to deliver a microphone and I am going to deliver it with a pop filter. I'm going to deliver it with X, Y, and Z, whatever other components that takes them above and beyond. And it makes it so that there is really this opportunity for a higher level of experience. Sure. We can use just about anything to record these days. I mean, our phones have fantastic microphones on them. Our phones have fantastic video and um, image you know, capabilities on them. If that's what you need to get started, do it. You know, I could see there being a, okay, we're going to record this ensemble 
everybody grab your phone or grab the easiest microphone that you can record it with that and then everybody grab it with the school supplied or the hide microphone and kind of put those two side by side and see what happens because it may end up surprising you that one set of instruments work better with the higher microphone and other ones just work better with a whatever came out of the shelf, off the shelf. So there's so much opportunity, Michelle. I love, love, love how you are experimenting and, you know, being innovative. And I would was a little bit curious when you do um, the pre-recorded content. So you, your students receive pre-recorded content. What kind of content is it? Is it more what you would do at the front of a lecture or what, what kind of um, information do you think comes across best in the pre-recorded versus a live setting? Sure. So I would say it kind of depends on how often you're going to see your students every week. Um, mm-hmm. so I do a pre-recorded lesson with my eighth graders every week because I only see them for 30 minutes. So their pre-recorded lesson is kind of like an intro to whatever we're going to be talking about that week for the unit. Um, and then the live lesson kind of goes into more depth. They have more interactive activities. I love using Nearpod, which is a really great, um, program that you can use. They have a setting where you can set it up. Students can log in live and you can share your screen like on Zoom or something like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then when you move your screen, their screen also moves at the same time. So that way you're not having, you know, students like poke ahead or go back. Um, And so there are a lot of great features too. You can have students uh, collaborate and have a discussion and all that. So all the more interactive things kind of happen in the live sessions. Um, I really like to use something in the pre-recorded sessions to make sure that they're, you know, actually consuming the content. So whether that be something like PlayPosit, which you can um, actually see how far each student has progressed, they can't skip forward. And you can also insert like little checking questions along the way. Or um, for my eighth graders, and, and I use this in my live sessions too, but I have something called the class word where I'll say a word at a random point and to get, you know, part of their points, they have to write the word down. So that way, you know, if, if they didn't go, if they go all the way through the recording and they didn't catch the class word, that tells them at least that they missed some important class content as well because I tell them Uh I don't uh do this to torture you I do this to make sure that you've got everything so if you miss the classword that means you've also probably missed some content too and so the nice thing is you know students can always go back and re-watch or re-listen to Mm -hmm. to these recordings and so yeah I would say front-end stuff kind of the intro basics so that way you can get into more depth in the live lessons. I like that. So a little bit more about this class word. I think that that's an interesting <laughs> idea. Um, so do you say, and the class word is, or do you just kind of, um, do they know? Like how how, do, how does that actual flow, actually flow in the context of whatever you are sharing? Sure. So I keep a document to the, so I have two monitors. I keep a document to the right that has like I always show tons of video clips, like short little clips to kind Mm -hmm. of demonstrate the music because, uh, you know, it is a music class and I can't always, you know, have them 
you know, for example, play something or interact with something for my music appreciation class. Um, so I give them lots and lots of different demonstrations. And so I have all my video links. And then I also have like a sentence that says today's classword is so I remind myself to um, actually say it. And so we'll get to a certain point and it won't be on like a slide or anything like that. I'll just say, okay, today's classword is here we go podcast. And then I'll spell it out for them. So you know, just in case so that way students are not feeling rushed or embarrassed or like, oh my gosh, how do I spell that? Even if it's something simple, you know, when you're kind of in that panic mode of like, okay, she said the classword. So then I said P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Today's classword is podcast. One last time, today's classword is podcast. Okay, moving on. So it's like 30 seconds, but you know, Mm -hmm. if they miss those 30 seconds, they're also probably missing 30 seconds on the back end of that, 30 seconds on the front of the end of that or more. And Um, You know, the nice thing is everything's recorded so they can go back. And it's unlike, you know, maybe a traditional school setting where if you miss two minutes of something, I mean, and you don't ask the teacher to go back and say it again. And it's hard to do that, you know, as a high schooler to be like, wait a second, I wasn't quite paying attention or I was writing my notes. Can you go back and say that again? You know, it's kind of difficult to do that. But in the virtual setting, they can go download the class recording and, you know, watch again, get the content that they need again. So I think it's very good um, for student learning because they're not going to be missing out on anything uh, in that way. Yeah, I like that. And I think that one of the other benefits of having people have permission, like you're giving them permission to not get it all the first time. You're getting, you're giving them permission that they can go back and rewatch and re-listen and relearn and experiment. And, you know, that the first time that they want to submit an assignment, if they think, oh, I'm going to do, I'll be okay. And I'll just kind of submit this assignment. They may feel more permission to record two or three versions and submit the one that they feel most confident with because we're creating this environment that is, conducive to learning and conducive to the idea of always getting better. That's something that a lot of times people find difficult to translate into the online space of information, 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 without that feedback loop, without that interactive component, without those other things. So you have found a way to really bring that full 360 feel to the online environment. I want to jump out of your academic school environment for a moment and talk about what you do in off hours because you seem to never, ever stop um, and how that is benefiting you as an artist, as a creative, as well as um, in just everything that you do with the interactions with other teachers and all over the country. Sure. So yes, definitely in the past couple of weeks, I have taken less time off than I usually do. I do try to take breaks, but uh, there were so many people needing help and I was like, I got to help these people. So um, yeah, so I do a lot of um, present presenting. I'm actually presenting this weekend for the uh, International Music Education Summit. Um, and so that is a completely virtual conference uh, for Music Ed. And it's our, I think it's third year this year, um, mm-hmm. but it's become like super relevant. Um, and so, yeah, I do a lot of presenting 
also virtually. So it really does not limit me to where I can travel and it's a lot cheaper too. So I've been able to pop in places all over the country um, because I you know, do not limit myself to a place that I need to go physically. And I actually seek out more virtual opportunities. One, because it's kind of where I'm more comfortable in um, now since I, I'm just you know, I've been doing this for so long. And two, uh, it just, it gives me so much more to be able to do to say, hey, yeah, I can teach you how to use Zoom. Here it is. If you'll just project me on the screen and then turn your cam, you know, whoever's computer you're using around, I can see you all and um, we can do it that way. And then I have people like come up to the computer for Q&A and stuff. But it is uh, very fulfilling to be able to see people and other places I probably wouldn't. Um, so I love doing that. And then as far as like creating digital content, uh, that has had to go on the back burner as I, <laughs> you know, have been trying to produce, you know, videos and uh, work one-on-one -on -one with people to help them transition for their schooling. Uh, but I just like to, you know, create resources that don't exist, especially for, general music and upper grades band because, you know, I would be looking for something, um, you know, an activity or I would say, oh, I wish this was pre-made already. So then I go ahead and make it. And that way, the next teacher that's looking for that doesn't have to spend the time doing that. They can get their night or their weekend back, um, mm -hmm. you know, in that way. So my main goal is to give teachers more of their time back uh, because I think if you do not take care of yourself and take the breaks and give yourself some time, you will burn out. I was there at one point and I have <laughs> scaled back um, and I have clear boundaries. And so I also want to help other people get there. And sometimes, you know, I, I use Teachers Pay Teachers and other teachers' music uh, websites that sell digital resources too in a pinch because I don't have everything made and you know, sometimes someone else has made something and it's just so much easier for me to go and purchase, you know, a, a small resource that money is going to that teacher. And also it's saving me time. So that way I can have my life back, you know. <laughs> so right, I think it right. solves that that problem for teachers. And my my main goal is is to help teachers in some way, whether that's learning or giving them time or anything like that. Right, right. Yeah. And so when you purchase somebody else's lesson or their uh, their handouts that go with it, you're creating space in your own schedule to do something that is only something that you can do, like showing up live in someone else's classroom and giving a lesson or showing up on a summit or showing up on a podcast or showing up in a way that is uh, fulfilling your mission and helping you move your own business forward by creating and using online collateral, it makes it so much easier and beneficial uh, to the entire ecosystem of online education and even offline education. I mean, the fact that there is this hybrid that we have created by providing lesson plans and by providing 
um, new ways of thinking in this online space. It doesn't really matter how it's being executed on. And so I think that for a lot of the listeners who are a little bit apprehensive about possibly what does my voice look like online or how can I show up online and teach or and create or whatever it might be, um, what words of wisdom or what anecdotes do you have that just kind of say, go ahead and do it. You're going to stumble, but you're going to find your groove. Um, so I'm just like, you've been there, you've done this. And I'd love for you to kind of share a few thoughts that you have for someone who is expanding their own mindset into the online space for the first time. Sure. So I would say that, um, you know, a couple of months ago, let's go all the way back to like August at the beginning of the school year. Again, mm -hmm. no one really knew what my job was, but I still had a lot of people who were interested in what I did. Now, is it as many as right now? No, but I had a job that was extremely niche. Like probably, I mean, there are very, there are not a ton of K-12 virtual schools, um, you know, in comparison to brick and mortar schools. Right. And the virtual schooling really was focused on college level, uh, especially for music. So there are a lot of virtual schools, too, that exist that don't even have music programs. Um, and as far as I know, I was one of the few or the only offering like an after school virtual band and choir. And so mm -hmm. it was something extremely niche. However... I still had people reaching out to me and being like, how do you do that? Or, you know, you've inspired me to want to maybe work with a colleague in another state. Like, can we, can we chat? Um, and there would be uh, different, I had a professor reach out to me and say, what you're doing is really neat. And the future of music education, will you come speak with my students who are going to be graduating soon? And so even though I had such a niche uh, offering, there were still people who were interested, still people who wanted to learn more about what I did, still people who wanted professional development on it, even though, you know, maybe it wasn't going to look the same in their school, but they thought of other ways they could possibly use it. And so there is space for everyone, even if you feel like you are one of the only people doing it. Um, mm -hmm. And it's become easier for people to grasp that everything can be online now. So you don't have to get over the hurdle of explaining to people like, yes, this is possible online, because now everyone can kind of imagine almost everything online. So this is a perfect time to kind of get into online whatever it is that you want to do because people one understand it so you don't have to do a ton of time devote a ton of time educating people about what it could possibly be but two people are going to be looking for more online options as we are still navigating this whole situation with uh COVID-19 I mean people are still very hesitant to go out and do things. Um, and mm -hmm. so if you can offer an online option, I think more people will be willing to take a look at it and consider it. Uh, so it's not necessarily saying like you can never go back to having some sort of brick and mortar option or in-person option, but adding online, whatever you want to offer, uh, in addition to the physical 
brick and mortar option is just going to help you. So I am getting uh, offers for professional developments in person for next school year, potentially. So it's not out of the question. They're, they're more local. Um, but, you know, I also still offer very many virtual things. So there's plenty, plenty you can do. You don't have to give up one to do the other. I think having both is going to be come a necessity, honestly. Uh, it kind of yes. is even right now. So uh, the sooner you can get yourself to a point where you feel more comfortable offering something online, I think the better because it is a necessity now. Maybe it won't be as necessary in the future, but it's not, like you have said many times, it's not going away. And more and more people are going to be interested and expecting an online option in the future. Yes. Yes. And I love that. I love that you reminded all of us that it's not all or nothing. You don't have to say, okay, I'm abandoning ship. I'm not doing anything in the real world anymore. Everything's going virtual. You don't have to do that. You can expand. You can expand your offerings. I mean, that's why this podcast is the expand online podcast. It's not create your art business online. It's expansion. It's a new modality. It's a new mechanism. It's a new place to be and to create and to inspire others. And so, Michelle, I think that this has been a really insightful conversation. I would love for you to share where people can connect with you, learn more about you, learn from you, however it might be. Um, just take a couple of moments and share a little bit about that. Sure. So the main place I hang out is Instagram. That's really my jam. So you can find me at the underscore musical underscore rose, or you can find me on my website, themusicalrose.com. If you want to check out what I have there, um, I, I have done my website from scratch, learned, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, learned how to do that. But I would say if you can invest with someone that will, uh, definitely take that learning curve out of the way. Just had to put that out there that it's possible to do it. But if you are considering jumping online, it will save you a ton of time to uh, to hire someone out. Okay. And then um, if you want to send me an email, you can reach me at michelle at the musicalrose.com. So definitely love to connect with people. My response time is a little bit delayed right now. I'm getting tons of messages and emails uh, still every day. And so I do want to get back to everyone, but uh, definitely have some patience with me, please. As you know, overnight I've, I uh, started getting, you know, it was almost instantaneous that I started getting so many messages and stuff. And I loved, you know, helping people out, but uh, don't expect a next day response is all I'm saying, but I do want to chat with you. <laughs> please connect with me. Seriously. I love to help people. That's why I got in this, this whole business in the first place. Wonderful. We will have all of those linked up in the show notes. And Michelle and I, we connected over Instagram. So yes, she does respond to, respond to her DMs. So it's wonderful. Michelle, I really appreciate you taking the time to connect with us here. And if you aren't already in the Expand Online community on Facebook, I would love for you to join us there. And everybody who is listening, this is where we are going to continue the conversation, answer any questions that you have. I want that to be an open open forum for us to expand all of the arts and opportunities online. So Michelle, thanks again for being on the podcast. Thanks. It was so great chatting with you.